So I didn't know that he was a policeman until he told me. But he came to ask that I not share that diagnosis with anybody because if it was known that his mother had leprosy, she would be sent to the terrible island where leprosy patients were kept. So I assured him that I wouldn't tell anyone, that uh, I would only tell the government if they questioned me. I wouldn't lie to them. That sort of satisfied him. What would that island look like or be? How were the people treated on that island? The island I never saw, but it was uh, an island in the middle of the Tigris River, and it was basically they were put there, leprosy patients were put there to uh, fend for themselves and to isolate them from the rest of the population. Uh, it was a horrible place. The guards were often vindictive. In fact, they had a six-foot uh, deep uh, area in which they put uh, recalcitrant uh, uh, patients. It was hell on earth. Well, I can understand that policeman wanting to protect his mother. Indeed. Yeah. Well, Sandy, what do you think? We have people that didn't hear that story last week, and we talked a lot about Burn and Jackie's adventures in Iraq. As, but let's find out a little bit about yes, where they I'd, came I'd from. like to hear from Burn and Jackie a little bit about their background. Mm -hmm. uh, Jackie grew up in a city, and Burn in the country, a rural upbringing. And it's interesting on how they met each other and how they came together. Oh, and uh, Jackie, do you want to start? <laughs> I was a PK or a preacher's kid, and most of the time, my dad had had uh, responsibilities in churches in the city. So I was a city girl. I had. Oh, I met Byrne my last year in nurses' training. 
I was in the program from Wheaton College, a five-year program, where um, when we graduated, we would have our, our BS in nursing. Um, my last year in, um, in the, at the hospital, I was president of my senior class, and the girls were all a Twitter about the new externs who had come to the hospital. Um, he, Bernie, um, was there. He got his board and room, got laundry done. Um, got he took, he took. Um, <laughs> he he his responsibility was starting IVs, getting the patient's histories, uh, doing physical exams. And one evening I was working on two south and I went to empty a bedpan in the utility room and my goodness, there was this <laughs> Burn Draper, Doctor Burn Draper, drinking juice at from the refrigerator, and that's how we met. I was enthralled by his big, dark eyes, and he said, oh, Miss Blau, and he was the first person who ever said my name right. It was a Dutch name, and it was difficult to pronounce. You talk about, you talk about your growing up in the country. I did indeed grow up in deep country. Uh, nobody got to our town unless they were going there. It was really out of the way. Uh, so I had a lot of freedom. I wandered the countryside and particularly the hill areas which were forested. I had a pony that I rode uh, always had a horse to ride. How, how old were you when you rode a pony the first From, time? Uh, I got the pony when I was six years old, and I rode <laughs> her until my feet dragged the ground. Oh, that's a wonderful pet. Um, I want to go back a minute and find out your first date. Bern, I need to have you on the mic. Oh. We're sharing mics again down here. So, Bern, um, you asked Jackie to go to the orchestra. Yes. And Jackie was fascinated because of your, <laughs> your asking. Well, I, I told her that uh, I would like to, uh, it took us six weeks to arrange a time when we could both be gone. And <clears throat> to me, uh, the greatest thing uh, I could do was to take her to the symphony, but I had to give her a country boy's version. So I told her that it was a, a wonderful place. She just wouldn't believe it, but they had fiddles, and they had bigger fiddles, and then they had fiddles so big that they had to set it on the ground uh, to play it, and they'd sit in a chair. And the biggest one, they had to stand up to, uh, to play. It was so big. And that, oh, you know, that was a real, <laughs> a real winning story. <laughs> I I just love that description of 
how they grew and how they needed support and help. So that was a, one of your first dates then. Yeah. yeah. But Bernie, I was interested in your stories when you were in high school. And you said that you were one of five students? Yes. Yes. Tell us about your high well, school experience and your well, teachers. Uh, we had, we really had good teachers, uh, surprising for wartime and for a rural high school. There, there was 54 students in the high school, and there was five in our senior class. One uh, was not graduated. Uh, One, I never knew what happened. I never saw her after high school graduation. Um, and uh, two of us went on to college and got our doctorates. So I like to tell people that 50% of my high school class went on to get their doctorate. It's fantastic, isn't it? <laughs> the other one got her her doctorate in psychology. That's a good percentage for this small. small you must have had excellent <laughs> teachers. They were well educated, weren't they? They, they were good teachers. Yeah. Yes. Well, before we move on to your retirement years, because last week we did talk a lot about your experiences, but Jackie came up with another one. There was a lesson that uh, she and a midwife learned. Yes. I, I, we were living in Amara, Iraq at the time, <coughs> and uh, I said to the midwife, Chris, if you have a home delivery, may I go with you the next time? Oh, sure, Jack. So... In a couple of days, she called, and we went to this little reed house, one room. It was a shack, really. And Chris saw that they had a charcoal brazier. It was like a 9 by 13 heat pan filled with charcoal. And this is how they heated their home. And this is what they used to cook. They cooked on it. And she said... I can't deliver a baby um, in this condition. There's not enough oxygen for him to be safe. And the next thing I knew, I was out, in, out on the dirt road in front of the shack. I had stood up because Chris and I were leaving. And when my head got into the not, no oxygen area, I fainted, and they pulled me by my feet outside of the uh, house, and I went home, and Chris said afterwards, thank you so much, Jack, because they went to the hospital. You, were the, you showed them what was wrong with having a, a charcoal brazier in the place. Well, I think she learned it the hard way. <laughs> you did. I just couldn't imagine that they'd go off and let you go home by yourself, but that's what happened. And you were a nurse, weren't yeah. you? So she... <laughs> well, I had just had my second babe. Mark was born in Iraq, and uh, we were getting ready to go to Jerusalem for a 
conference on Islamics giving us hints or giving us instruction on how to witness. Uh, people that I've met over the years, the first question the women say to me is, Jackie, weren't you afraid? And I say, no. I don't think that was a problem with me. And Bruno agrees that I never showed it. I knew that we had obeyed God by following this invitation to go to the Middle East. And I knew his promise that he would be with us. So there was no room to be afraid. You had a really, you have a really strong faith, Jackie and Bern. Yes. Yeah. Now, Bern, you yes. had no missionary experience before, and um, a good doctor talked to you about it. Is that how you learned about what is required of missionaries? There are three different kinds. Oh yes. Well, I went to a small junior college, which was a Baptist college, and they asked me what I wanted to study, and I said I want to be a missionary. And they said, um, I, uh, they said, well, what kind of missionary you, do you want to be? I had no idea that there were different <laughs> kinds of missionaries. And so to put it in the colloquial, they said, well, there's the preaching kind and the doctrine kind and the nursing kind or was a teacher. Anyway, I went home and prayed about it and thought my aptitudes would, uh, I'd make a better doctor than either teacher or preacher. <laughs> so that challenge, uh, channeled you into this kind of education. And it did, did, indeed. What did your mother say when you told her oh. you wanted to be a doctor? <laughs> well, I, she grabbed the counter. We were in the kitchen. She grabbed the counter and she turned pale and I thought, sure, she was going to faint. <laughs> <laughs> kind of scared me. <laughs> well, last week we went over so many adventures you had. You did a lot of moving around. But your retirement was also exciting in many ways. Yeah. Where would you want to start with that, Bern? Well, chronologically, I guess I should start uh, at the beginning. I closed my practice, and uh, started working for an agency who uh, would, when they had a, a, a call for somebody to work in a temporary situation that they thought I might like, they called called me and offered me the opportunity. Mostly we worked in rural places, anywhere from 10 days to 10 months, and actually at the end of it, uh, we worked uh, for two years in Garden City, Kansas. It was a, a great time to be in other parts of the country, and I was immediately 
into the center of the life of the community, uh, seeing patients and working closely with the nursing staff. Uh, and for me, it was a great experience. Took us from coast to coast and to Alaska. Besides the medicine, though, you were always teaching, weren't you? You always were a teacher. Yes, it was sort of it was sort of natural to yeah. me. I had taught uh, part time for four years and two years full time at the University of Missouri Medical School, and that uh, that was earlier before retirement. We spent uh, after teaching. Uh, I we moved to Rolla, Missouri, where there was a university uh, place uh, like our Colorado School of Mines, and I taught there too. I taught uh, college students in um, uh, in Sunday schools for several years. And Jackie, where was it that you um, were Burns' nurse in the um, in his office? The, when Burn before Burn retired, I had been his office nurse for eight years before he retired. Mm -hmm. And uh, when when he was doing this locum tenens work, we were um, ten months. No, we lived in 10 different states and 32 different cities. But varying, we didn't have to move our furniture, clothes, books, that sort of thing. We moved with us. We, our son wanted to put a, a notice on our car. Where do you think my folks are tonight? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I, there was an interesting um, adventure in West Virginia with the people there. How was how that? Well, I believe it was actually the very eastern part of uh, Virginia, and it was 20 miles north into Kentucky and Hazard, which is, uh, and the, <clears throat> It was kind of uh, hard to take uh, seeing streams uh, with littered with plastic bags on every little willow sprout and uh, houses where uh, you could tell how far people could throw things because they had thrown all of their waste out the windows or out the doors or off the front porch. Uh, but I like the people. Well, and Jack, you found that it was the hospitality kind of thing was not what you had been used to as far as people were a little skeptical of your being there or suspicious? Of yeah, this, this happened in... Um, in Arabia. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. When we were in, we first were in Amara, Iraq. Yeah, I'm sorry, Basra, Iraq, and then in Amara, Iraq. And um, 
I couldn't get a Christian ayah to take care of my kids. Uh, Mary and Mark had stayed with our neighbor, who I knew was a Muslim, while Bern had our Arabic lesson. And when I came home, Mary could do the whole Muslim prayer with all the positions and everything. And Bern said, well, that does it. We didn't come here to have our kids become Muslims. So I did things like a minister's wife might do. Lots of visiting. I um, I taught a women's Bible study um, in Arabic. Um, about 40 women were there. I was, none of the other missionaries were with me. Um, they, they came and they never laughed at my mistakes. Oh. Um, I started two Bibles, Bible clubs for kids. First it was anybody who wants to come can come, but that didn't work out because um, I had to teach the non-Christian kids in a different way than I taught the Christian kids. But they loved the flannel graph. They liked my kids coming along and helping to teach. One day um, the neighbors came they were collecting money for the, the neighbor's bride, a bride in the neighborhood. And um, when I said goodbye to them, I, I thought I wished them to have a good morning. And Mary was standing by me. She was five at the time, and she, she said, Mama, you made a mistake. Oh, I said, what did I do? She said, you told them to have a good swim. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you haven't mastered the language now, yet. <laughs> now, maybe I'm jumping from one place to another, but in your retirement, did, is that when you met the pygmy lady? Uh, yes, uh, while we were doing the locum tenens, uh, <clears throat> there was a pygmy family in this town, and uh, one of the daughters was pregnant. And I hadn't seen her before. She came in uh, in labor, uh, and it was a uh, a labor which could not uh, culminate in normal delivery. <clears throat> she also was bleeding, and uh, as testing showed, she her blood was not clotting. A very dangerous situation, and uh, so I ordered 15 units of blood platelets and uh, started an IV on her and doing things to get her out of shock. And uh, she had the tiniest pelvis I'd ever seen, and I knew that she couldn't possibly uh, deliver normally. So uh, she would have to have a cesarean section no matter. The baby was already dead when she came in, and this <clears throat> was one of the scariest kind of situations you meet in uh, obstetrics. Uh, they Highway Patrol brought the blood platelets uh, 
on a hundred mile an hour uh, drive from Charlotte a uh, hundred miles away and they got there and we were able to then to do the cesarean section and we and she got along fine she, she survived and was just fine but of course the baby as I said was lost it's so tragic you made some comment about boredom here <laughs> anesthesiologist yeah an anesthesiologist friend once said to me uh, this this business is long periods of boredom interspersed with moments of sheer terror and I thought you know that's pretty good description of obstetrics too yeah. I can imagine the terror waiting oh, mm, yes. for those platelets. How many yeah. how many deliveries do you think you made in all your well, years of practicing? I didn't I didn't keep records uh, <laughs> to know, but I by estimate or yeah estimate estimating I figured about thirty five hundred. A small town. <laughs> Yeah, this is a small, a whole population. Always like small towns. <laughs> well, now, when you came back, you you built a house, and uh, our time is going so fast, but Jackie, start with you. You look for the land. Yes, Bernie was, uh, I think he was in Pakistan at the time, and he, he said to me, honey, you just, you just handle this. He was going to be gone two months, no three months. So I bought five acres and ever since I've been sorry I didn't buy all 15. <laughs> so we It was a wonderful location. On 4th of July I could sit out on the patio and see fireworks almost to Colorado Springs mm. and then almost to the Long's Peak. It was really something. Room Room for all thirty-six of our family to come and have dinner. <laughs> oh, but but you you wanted to have a house that had um, places that you could live without stairs. But you had stairs. Yes. But you had everything. We uh, by this time we both had rheumatoid arthritis, and uh, Bernie was I was giving him gold shots every day, every every week. And we knew that a normal house wouldn't handle a wheelchair or other things. So we built it with wheelchair wheelchair available doors. And our bedroom was on the first floor, so we didn't have to go up the stairs. But you tell about the trimming bushes. We would have liked to stay there, but one spring I went out and uh, trimmed uh, three ornamental bunches of grass uh, without the right kind of tools, and it took me three days to get over it. And I went, at the end of the three days, I said to Jackie, enough, I can't do this anymore, we have to 
go to Holly Creek. Now, what, what did you see when you first saw Holly Creek? What was? Oh, it was uh, uh, 17 acres of mud and um, and prairie dogs <laughs> and swamp and weeds and weeds oh yes it was it was so ugly you didn't change your mind though <laughs> well there was that trust again we reserved uh, we reserved judgment on on that and of course when we went through came and went through that the uh, the porches the uh, elegance of those central halls and uh, the sincerity of the people uh, and the fact that a, a good friend had been on the board for 25 years and was uh, as honest as anybody could be was very important. Well, we're so glad that you came here. One of the first um, people to live here, You and you're still in the same apartment in the second it, it had been open for three years. Oh, it had we, been. We moved in when the south building was oh, the, the beginning open. of the south building. Okay. We're awfully lucky to have you here. <laughs> and that's Wanderings for today. Thank you so much, Jackie and Byrne, for being with us two times. I know we could keep going. But people, talk to them when you meet them. They're most interesting people. Thank you so much. Thank you so much.